What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Defense Wins Championships. Got some guests here. Go ahead and introduce yourself, guys. Hey, everybody. Patrick Schwab, fantasy philosophers, along with my co-host, Dustin. I'm very excited to uh, join Alex and uh, get to talking about some IDP strategies, especially in Dynasty formats. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, um, Fantasy Filoso One, or at FPS underscore Patrick. Dustin is at FPS underscore Dustin. So look us up. Um, we have a YouTube channel as well. Um, pull us up on Twitter. We can get you all that info. Um, I'll go ahead and hand it over to Dustin. New to the content creation, but my name's Dustin. We're with the Fantasy Philosophers, and uh, Patrick summed it up pretty nicely. So let's, uh, let's talk some defense, man. Yep, let's talk some defensive draft strategy for Dynasty. Let's kick that intro. Defense on me! I don't want them to gain another yard. You blitz all night! If they cross the line of scrimmage, I'm going to take every last one of you out. You make sure they remember all right so today we're talking about some dynasty startup strategy i'll just kick it off first i like going heavy on linebackers it all depends on what your rosters are I've seen some leagues where it's like one linebacker, one D lineman, one DB, and then I see some where you're starting like a whole NFL defense. I like it a little bit more if it's like a whole NFL defense, and I'm always kind of going linebacker heavy. I probably won't draft a guy like Leonard. I'll probably let someone else kick it off because I want to just wait, you know, and maybe get two or three guys inside the top ten, just kind of dependent on, kind of dependent on the rosters. Yeah, most def, most def. Um, so full transparency, I am fairly new to IDP. Um, I'm involved uh, currently in a Dynasty IDP draft. Um, so super excited to see how that, uh, how that falls through for me. But um, in a separate Dynasty league that I'm involved with Dustin, uh, we did add IDP this offseason. Um, so we had a completely separate IDP draft separate from the rookie draft, all that good stuff. Um, pretty excited with the players I got, but I agree um, based on all my research and then especially watching the videos that you've been pumping out, Defense Wins Championships, it became clear rather quickly that, you know, that linebacker position, that seems to be the bread and butter of what to build around when it comes to, to IDP. So I'm, I'm all aboard that hype for sure. Um, I will admit, I did take Jamal Adams in the first round of our draft. <laughs> However, I was able to get Jalen Smith in the second, Bradley Chubb in the third, and Devin White in the fourth. So I will take that all day, every day. That's pretty solid. So you guys had a league that just had team defense and you converted it to IDP this year? Yep. Ex exactly. And, and ironically, I was one of the few people that did not – want to change away from defense and and I did want to do IDP it's just my roster construction I had four team defenses that I was just playing matchups with and it was working really well so yeah. 
you know, I had to immediately uh, abandon four roster spots, unfortunately, but I'm glad that we made the change. You know, I've been playing fantasy for over 20 years now, and the fact that I've never done it is just disappointing because I've been certainly missing out. So uh, late's the party, but I made it. So let's get rocking. <laughs> it's all good. And you guys did a separate separate draft just for defense, just for IDP? Yeah, so uh, here recently we did add IDP to a dynasty league that D Dustin and I are involved in. I believe Dustin may have been the only person with actual IDP experience, um, but that's okay. You know, I, I've realized very quickly that I've been missing out. It's so disappointing that I haven't been doing IDP. If you're still doing team defense, what in the world are you doing? You're just – Missing out on all these players for a team. Come on. It's all about I today. We're no I in team. So we go in with the I today. Um, and, originally, and originally you said you didn't want to switch, right? You were one of the people who was trying to stick with the team defense. Yeah, and that was just – selfish more or less because I did like the idea of IDP but I had already um, constructed my roster to have four team defenses and just played matchups and that worked really well I think I had if not the most close to the most team defenses on my team so obviously when we voted and IDP went through I had to cut those four team defenses immediately which didn't feel good at the time but you know, with the IDP draft thereafter, um, I took Jamal Adams in the first, Jalen Smith in the second, Bradley Chubb in the third, Devin White in the fourth. So nice. I feel like I did pretty good going into my first IDP only draft. Um, I know Dustin did really well himself, so I'll go ahead and let him share. Yeah, and, and uh, Patrick, I'm glad uh, you've kind of come around. Um, everyone should experience IDP whether it's in a free league or, or a paid league, uh, just try it, man. Cause I, everyone I know who's tried, it doesn't ever want to go back. Uh, exactly. But I don't remember the specific order I picked in. Um, but I, I came away with uh, what I felt was a pretty good haul for dynasty. Um, Tremaine Edmonds, Buda Baker, Jabril Peppers, uh, DeForest Buckner, um, Max Crosby, Zadarius Smith, uh, you know, I felt like um, I'm set up pretty well for the future. Jerome Baker, pretty well for the future. Um, got some depth as well. Uh, I wanted to keep it, you know, as young as possible on this one. Uh, and I thought I did a pretty good job there. I think my oldest player might be like Bud Dupree at 27 as far as defense. So I'm feeling good on the, the youth movement, but also having some consistent production, hopefully. Yeah, sounds like it from that roster. Yeah, That's I'm loving it. And so what do you think? Um, I mean, I like to go linebacker heavy. It really depends on, you know, the scoring that you have, roster settings. But what, where do you like starting off when, you're, when you start building your, your IDP roster? I agree. Linebacker heavy is the way to go. Typically, leagues are set up to be tackle heavy, uh, meaning that the more consistent guys who get, rack up a ton of tackles every game are going to be the most valuable. Most of the time, you're going to get that from linebackers. There's some safeties out there who can, who can bring it bring it home for you too, you know, Buda Baker being number one on my list. So when I saw you had him 
ranked number one. Uh, was definitely loving that. Like a linebacker, so having him as a you know your DB and also having those linebackers, like to me, that's that's the best way to kind of get ahead. Is if you can find those, uh, especially in dynasty, those young linebackers who've shown that they can rack up tackles early in their career. That's not something that you know gets worse quickly. You don't become a bad tackler next season, right? Um, you know, so if you can combine that with a young safety who also does the same, you can really set yourself up nicely. But even as far as like depth picks, um, I, I tend to go linebacker heavy because I feel like you're smashing into another human being as fast as you can that many times a game. You're at a high chance to get hurt. So I want to have depth there too. So I'm totally with you. If I fade a position, it's typically D-line. In Dynasty, people will let the older DNs that become the pass rush specialists, they let them slip. They let them slip far. So you can still get value at the end. Now you're going to have to, you know, fix that over the next couple of years in your rookie drafts. But if there's a position to do it, I think that's the one, in my opinion. For sure. Yeah, same here. I mean, I guess it depends on roster construction. I probably maybe would have one guy in the top 10 at D-line. I mean, you know, maybe I'll go for like, I don't know, uh, Hubbard or something like that, who might be sure. like hovering around like nine, 10 or 11, just, you know, dependent on the settings. Absolutely. Yeah, right on. Um, again, I agree with everything. Um, still fairly new, but everything I've learned up to this point, grab those young elite linebackers and build around that. You can't go wrong. For sure. So, I've been playing in IDP leagues forever. Like really the first leagues that I got into 2006, 2007, they all, they all had IDP in it. So nothing's really new to me. Um, Can you guys think of any like just memorable seasons that you guys have had from IDP players, whether it was recently or, I mean, maybe you Dustin, since you've been in it longer, but do you think of any memorable seasons that helped you either capture a championship or kind of just boost you to the playoffs? Yeah, um, actually, the way I ended up playing IDP uh, in 2015, I got invited to. I knew a guy in a 20 in a in a 16 team league, and they had a guy quit because the commissioner said, "I'm doing IDP because I'm bored, and if you don't like it, you can leave." <laughs> and one person left, and I filled his spot. And so we had a pretty typical whatever the default NFL dot uh, com settings were. He had it set up for two of each position. So we had two D-line, two linebacker, uh, two DBs. And uh, we drafted like a couple days after I joined. And I'd never done IDP before. Um, but I ended up winning uh, the championship that year. Nice. Um, I made a crazy trade on offense that just I lucked in. I, I worked out, you know, whatever. Um, but this is an IDP show. So what got me over the edge because my team offensively was pretty mediocre. I just started grinding the waiver wire and I ended up picking up Blake Martinez and CJ Mosley 2015 uh, and just rode those two dudes, um, you know, to a championship. Um, So, I mean, they didn't have the craziest seasons, uh, but those are probably the two most memorable for me since I've been playing only a couple years. I haven't been, and that was a redraft league. So I stayed in that league for a couple years and we redrafted every year. Um, but I was never lucky enough to kind of capture that type of magic again. Came in second, came in third the following years, and then the league kind of crumbled. Uh, and I also cut back on redraft and started Dynasty. Uh, and Dynasty, man, I love the Dynasty. That's where it's at for me. 
Nice. Yeah, I'm new to Dynasty. I, I know football, and I've been doing redraft forever. So, I mean, just player knowledge, I have all that. But For being sure. in Dynasty leagues is pretty fun. A lot of trades happen in. And mm-hmm. That's probably one of the things that I hate most about redraft leagues is people just don't trade, like, for whatever reason. For sure. I agree. I agree. I had a, a redraft league that I just recently converted into a Dynasty league. We have our uh, startup draft coming up later this August, and – you know, there may be, I'd say, on average, and, and that was a, a league, I should mention, you had the option of two keepers for your first, and if it's second, second round, it's not where you draft them. If you want to keep two, sacrifice your first and second, you have that option. Um, but we had that league going for probably like six years, um, and then we're just now about to start Dynasty. I'd say on average, we would maybe see – two or three trades go through you know each year average um and i've made a point to share with all of them you know trading is much more important you know because depending on where you're at you know with your roster you know like if you're rebuilding and there's someone trying to make a championship run you need to open that line of communication up and see what you can do is finding that win-win trade so um we've already we've already had a few trades go through so uh i i think they uh they understood and they're uh they're taking my word on it so we're off to a good start everyone just feels like they're gonna get trade raped like you're just going into it for whatever reason yeah and i mean i've played with people like that you know one one of my buddies comes to mind in particular like he told me and the rest of the league like straight up like years ago hey i'm not gonna accept any trades i just want to keep the players i drafted and in all honesty (laughs) he consistently was making the playoffs each and every year so i mean teach his own you know um I'm a gambler. I like to roll the dice a little bit. So sometimes it works out for the better. Sometimes, unfortunately, not so much. But, you know, I I just think that as long as you're winning more of them than losing, and even when you lose, as long as it's not just, you know, a massive loss, you know, you'll be all right. Yeah, and I'm not planning to come in fourth or fifth place. I mean, if it happens, it happens. But you got to take those shots and try to come. Read my mind, bro. Read my mind. Yeah. And and it's funny because going back to my buddy, he would always make the playoffs, would never win. So. Yeah, it's nice making the the fence. Swing for that fence. Yeah, go big or go home. Just remember, go big or go home. It's the only way to do it. Already. I mean, especially like – I don't know, like the the IDP leagues, a lot of the ones that I play in, we're starting like 16, 17, 18 players. Winning a league like that is just fucking hard. Like, I mean, you got to have a lot of luck. And I, I play in a lot of redrafts. Like my home league, it's been around, I think, since 2007. Uh, redraft. Everybody's competitive. Everybody knows what they're doing. Really, you just got to work the waiver wire like crazy for IDP. It just seems like the defense has way more turnover than offense. I don't know why. It just seems like that. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, like I said, that 16 team I played in, um, it, you had to have like the run, the backups backup, you know, at like every position on offense because 
they just didn't exist on the waiver. Uh, there was slim pickings, uh, but the defense, like I said, I would just mine the waiver wire for defense, uh, defensive gems, um, you know, by week fill-ins. And you can find, you could find it every week almost without fail. So it was, it's definitely out there in redraft. Um, I, you know, even in dynasty um, after our, you know, recent um, expansion draft where we added IDP, Afterwards, I just mined the the waiver wire, uh, picked up like Bernardrick McKinney, Bud Dupree, um, guys that, you know, they're not going to be the the number one linebacker, but solid depth fill-in. Waiver wire is definitely where it's at on defense. Better than not having the depth. I mean, if you play in a deep league, I mean, it it sucks. Like, two, you know, if you have a bye week, maybe you have two linebackers on bye and then like one person gets injured or something, now you're scraping to try to pick up two or three guys. It's just better to have the depth in advance. Absolutely. You know, talking about the draft we have underway currently, you know, I, I don't even remember how many roster spots we had, but we're going deep. So it's going to yeah. be all about that depth. Yep. There's 40 total. So we only have uh, seven IDP starters, two D-line, two linebackers, two DBs, and then one defensive flex. Which I love that, by the way. Um, in my opinion – if you're going to do IDP, you either have to do three linebackers or two, two, two flex. Yeah. Um, otherwise there's just too, everyone has too many studs. Yeah. Like I played in a work league and everybody was super scared to go to IDP, but I got them to convert to just two defensive flexes instead of one team defense. And it was just way too easy. Like I couldn't even pick up enough players, you know, to have on my <laughs> team just didn't even have enough spots. Yeah, then that was a league where Blake Martinez got dropped on by because everybody was just so stacked. That was two years ago, but, but yeah. still. For sure. Well, at least, you know, it got introduced to the league, and I would assume y'all have continued with it since, right? Yeah, I'm not at that, uh, I'm not at that job anymore, but I did win the championship. On oh, okay. The well, nice. That's all that matters there. <laughs> there you go. I'm sure they're pissed about that still. I doubt they're watching this YouTube video, but shout out to those guys for giving me your money the last year on the way out. (laughs) All donations welcome. Yep. But uh, I know there's a lot of people who really like, really like chase the touchdowns and interceptions. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, Minka Fitzpatrick, as good as he was, I, I mean, he still wasn't top three, top four, anything like that amongst like total players. What do you guys think about that, about chasing like the touchdowns and chasing the big plays when you're hitting the waiver wire? It's fluky. So I, I don't recommend it. They do tend to be streaky, but who's to say when that streak starts and stops? Um, unless, unless you're in a league with like huge big time bonuses for it, uh, where it offsets some consistency big time. If you're hitting the waiver wire, you're probably looking for a fill in. So you probably just want a safe floor. You know, that's, that's how I typically approach it. Uh, but again, I like to set up my IDP teams to kind of have a strong IDP core, um, those consistent, consistent tackle guys. So, you know, kind of a little bit, maybe more my play style, but I think it's risky chasing touchdowns in big plays. Yep. Agreed. I think even in like the leagues where I play in that are like really high scoring leagues where it's like six points per interception. I think the tackles are two points in those. So even a tackle being two and an interception being six, I mean, tackles are going to outweigh the interceptions no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, 
you'll have those guys though, you know, they have uh, a two or three interception game um, and man, yeah, it's great to have them there, but you got to think like if they just had a three interception game, three interceptions in a season for a lot of DBs is great. <laughs> so yeah. he's met his season quota already, you know, um, unless he's a superstar, um, you know, but typically the superstars don't get thrown at. So even if we're comparing it on offense, like, you know, picking up a wide receiver after he just had a huge game, they're not going to reproduce that huge game. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I just hate chasing points all around. I mean, I, I try to get the guys before they boom. Yeah. Yeah. Don't waste your time chasing. You might get lucky once every so often, but more often than not, you're, you're busting that week. So I agree. It's cool. like, it's like trying to predict when Ted Ginn's going to score a touchdown. You know, like you said, you equate it to, you know, offense. Like, if you can accurately predict what week Ted Ginn is going to score a touchdown, you have a gold mine. But no one can do it every week. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's tough. I feel super sick if I just pick up a DB just on, you know, for a random fill-in and they get like five or six tackles. I just feel like super yeah. sick on something like that. Heck Yeah. 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 Uh, real quick, uh, since you brought up uh, Fitzpatrick a little earlier, uh, what are your thoughts about Terrell Edmonds, Tremaine's brother? I mean, if you get drafted by the Steelers, you already know that you already know that they're putting draft capital into their defense. And I mean, guys like Devin Bush also. I mean, they're drafting guys right now that are going to be the cornerstone of their defense. Like, who knows if they can get back to like the Palomalo days? But I feel like they're building such a huge core right now that, like, in two or three years, I mean, they may even add a couple more pieces, but I feel just that whole defense is going to actually come back to, like, being what, the, being what we remember the Steelers to be. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I actually have Terrell Edmonds just hanging out on my taxi squad in uh, that other league that we mentioned previously. Um, kind of like you said, um, in 2019, no interceptions – but 105 tackles. Yeah. So solid. Definitely need guys like that around. I mean, it's all about the snap count too. I don't know what he, what he played off, uh, offhand, but I'm sure whatever he did, he's going to be producing more this year as far as snap count goes. Snap percentage, I think is often overlooked, but uh, super important because um, there's definitely some safeties, some linebackers who don't come off the field typically. And, you know, especially if you're trying to break a tie or, or if it's real close and you can't decide who to pick, like that's what I would lean on because they just have more opportunity to rack up fantasy points. They're on the field yeah. more. Literally all you have to do is yeah. Google a team's snap percentage and that's it. Mm-hmm. It'll be one of the first links you can click on. Real quick, I did pull up Terrell Edmonds and this past season, 2019, 100% snap share. Oh. <laughs> oh, nice. So yep. uh, 90th percentile speed score, 97th percentile burst score. Well, there you go. That's money in the bank right there. Yeah, sounds pretty good. You got it. <laughs> what about, uh, let's talk a little bit about some, some aging IDP assets. Who would you say is someone that more or less is considered aging but you, you're not concerned about drafting them. And then on the flip side, someone's aging who's, and who's been real productive, 
in recent years, but, but you're, you're fading them for whatever reason. Anyone come to mind for either of those scenarios, especially dynasty speaking? Well, one guy who I'm fading a little bit is Blake Martinez and not necessarily because he's aging. I mean, you know, he is. Yeah, he's that's you called that one in a video. And right when I heard it, I was like, me and this guy. We're, we're, yeah, we're we, we got that. Yeah, that was whoever drafted him early. I'm sorry, but he might be OK, though. I mean, he could be okay. I just, he's not going to be, I don't think he's getting a hundred solo tackles and that's what everybody's drafting him to do. And that's what he's done pretty much every year in green Bay, but it's not going to be the same. Can't guarantee anything, but they just don't scheme that way. He's not just going to be sitting in the middle of the field and tackling the guy running up the gut every play. Yeah. What about players like uh, Calais Campbell or even uh, Carlos Dunlop? What are you, what are your thoughts there? So, I mean, especially in Dynasty, those are guys that you could definitely pick up late and who could be fill-ins. You know, I mean, it's not like they're going to be gone next year. I mean, anybody has the chance of getting injured. Those are some people that I'd be snagging late. Right on. Joe Schobert, that's someone who I'm super high on. I mean, I know he's 26, 27. I mean, not necessarily aging, but when you think about Dynasty – all the top 10 are like 25 and under minus a few, but he's someone who I feel like maybe people think that he's aging. Seems like he's been around forever, but Jaguars always have a super sick, like middle linebacker. So I think that he's just going to step in and be like Puzlesny was, you know, a few years ago. Uh, w- one more for you. What, uh, what's your take on the outlook for Von Miller this season? I'm, I'm not I'm just not high on guys like Von Miller and what they do. I mean, that's I'm always kind of fading pass rushers like that. I mean, unless I can get them really late. Someone like Von Miller who just doesn't get a lot of tackles, I just don't mess with people like that. You know, I'm always going to fade those guys just a little bit more than the middle linebackers that are racking up the tackles. Makes sense. I agree with that. Right on. They're boom bust. You know, they might have five sacks in a game but then they might go two games without getting a sack and only like you know two tackles of the game so it's, it's tough to like rely on them consistently and it all depends on your rosters if you're only starting three linebackers you know like the league that we're starting up two linebackers and a flex you can only start three i'd for sure have three linebackers that i could play over von miller like that's just that's just for yeah, sure what you. i would do if you're playing four or five linebackers then you're probably going to be drafting guys like that you're going to need some high upside guys makes sense right on but uh who are some guys who you might be fading who uh you know maybe some older guys and even when i say older i'm even probably talking like 26 27 28 like that's like already <laughs> okay brand like fl so i guess probably like some of the guys i've already talked about guys like um who are like you know 27 28 they still provide consistent like you know, mid-tier production. Um, but so for me, that would be like Bernardrick McKinney, uh, Bud Dupree. They're decent, like, fill-in guys, but, you know, at this point in their career, it's pretty clear that they're not going to be that standout guy, um, you know. So I'm not going to try and draft them with any type of significant capital, but people will forget about them. People will let them fall. I'll take them late. Um, I'll pick them up off the waiver when they're done. They're not old, you know, they're not going to retire probably in the next year or two, but um, you know, are they the guys that their teams are going to be like, stick around, I'm going to pay you another contract. Maybe not even that they might be on the move. I I probably, as far as like guys that are older that I love and still like um, Chandler Jones, everyone forgets about Chandler Jones, 
Um, and he's kind of that, that rush guy, you know, that we talk about, um, like Von Miller. He just goes, he's the only guy on that defense, right? So he's, he's making all the plays. If someone's making a play, it's Chandler Jones. So I love guys like that, um, that like that late, who can give you that big time, um, that big time game every now and then, especially on a fill-in. Versatile too. So a guy who gets the tackles, guy who gets the sacks here and there, more of a Swiss army knife than anything. Yeah, that's probably a better uh, a better description of Chandler Jones. All right, so we're talking some all-time great seasons from IDP guys. First guy I'm talking about, I had on my team that year. He got me to a championship. James Harrison. Two thousand eight just balled. One hundred and one combined tackles, sixty-seven solos, but the sixteen sacks. He was just a monster that season. Seven forced fumbles, one interception, one safety. There's one game in particular that 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 I really remember. I don't remember who the Steelers were playing, but I was going up against one of my friends, and we each had one player on Monday night. He had Big Ben. I had James Harrison. And I was already losing by maybe like 10 points. So I didn't even watch the game. I was like, oh, I lost. No point for me to watch. And then I wake up the next day and James Harrison had like the game of his life. I think he had like three or four sacks, a bunch of tackles, and Big Ben had like the worst game of the season. That's just the coolest feeling in the world. The defensive player outscoring a QB in a two QB league also. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was just one of the things that propelled me to the playoffs that year. That's awesome. Very, very uh, memorable, to say the least. For sure. sure. And you didn't even watch the game, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I saw the highlights the next day. That was about it. Oh, man. Love those, though. You've ridden yourself off and you wake up to a victory. Those got to be some of the sweetest ones. That's for sure. Um, oh, yeah. I can move us right along here, though. Uh, you know, for me, uh, 2004, Ed Reed. Um, ball hawking safety, but also managed 78 tackles, 64 of them solo. Uh, so anytime you can get that kind of production from a, a safety who's known as a ball hawk, like, ooh, big time. Um, also got two sacks, but then, you know, nine interceptions, uh, forced three fumbles and recovered two, um, turned all those turnovers into two touchdowns. And, you know, all that stuff he's doing and people are still throwing the ball at him, 17 defended passes on the season just all around all over the field production man tackles turnovers touchdowns everywhere man just if that's if you started off with some some strong linebackers and threw ed reed on top you probably coasted oh yeah especially that year oh yeah and and that's for me that one of my favorite defensive players to watch. Um, I played the same position in high school. So, you know, just watching Ed Reed out there, I mean, all over the place, ball hawk, for the definition of a ball hawk, in my opinion. Um, my One of my favorite defensive players to ever watch. So, shout out to Ed Reed. Baller. Big time. Um transitioning uh i'm gonna go with ray lewis if you smell what the rock is cooking 
one of the most passionate football players I've seen play, period. You know, hearing some of the, the motivational and inspirational speeches this guy comes up with, I mean, when you got that in your locker room, especially the leader of your defense at that, the crew is coming each and every game. So shout out to him for just being the model team leader, especially on, on such a great defensive unit. Um, back in 2003, 163 total tackles, 121 solo. You did get uh, one and a half sacks, six interceptions, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, 14 pass defended. Um, but when you talk about not only those tackles, but the extras that he sprinkled in there, especially with the six interceptions, ooh-wee, Ray Lewis, dynamite. And over 160 tackles? I mean, it's 10 tackles a game for the entire season. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Somebody help the man out. <laughs> just faster yeah. than everybody just beats everybody <sighs> tackles. I can only imagine you know being a running back thinking you have this open gap to break and then seeing Ray Lewis of all people full steam ahead at you mm. <laughs> mm. can't be a fun feeling you'll probably see that light in uh, your eyes no and, and he's given it his all each and every play that's what i really loved about him is i mean you anyone that's watched him i can't imagine you you would argue but if you'd like to hit us in the comments I, i'd love to engage in a, in a debate on that but yeah i got nothing but high praise for ray lewis as a football player one thing that i remember about him you ever you remember that sports science show that was on espn back yeah in- I, I really Don Brinkus. That. Is that still around? Uh, no, I mean, I think, well, I think they do little things here and there, but not like the full episodes. But I remember Ray awesome. Lewis was on there and they were, um, they were saying how much his, uh, his tackle, what the, um, the, what's it called? The amount of pressure that he's putting into a hit. And they said him tackling someone at full speed was like getting hit by a 35 mile an hour car. Hard pass. <laughs> yeah, I'd just go out of bounds if I was the running back and he was running. Yeah, usually out of you hear bounds about, or with to, with today's rules anyway. Go ahead and slide. Yeah, yeah. I mean, usually you hear about like a a a, a defender making a business decision not to tackle like Derrick Henry, but I think you know Ray Lewis might have been one of the few linebackers where a running back said, "I'm making the business decision to just go down, live to fight another day." Yeah, man. Yeah, that. Hell of a football player there. I'm switching over to a similar guy, Patrick Willis. Can you dig it, dig it, sucker, sucker? Willis, his 2009 season. So I started playing fantasy 2006, and I mean he was the number one linebacker then, you know, and that that lasted until he left the league. I mean, one of those guys who definitely left the league way too soon, but all the injuries and random things just kind of added up. But 152 combined tackles, 114 solos. Not as good as Ray Lewis's year, but still almost 10 tackles a game four sacks, three interceptions, three forced fumbles, had a TD, 
eight pass defended. So, I mean, he's all over the field. One of my favorite players of all time. And, you know, 49ers were lucky that he was the guy holding down the middle of their field for so long. Definitely week in, week out, big time producer. Um, Great Patrick first Willis. name. Great first name also. <laughs> and it yeah, was I mean, right cherry on top. Yep. Back then, it was crazy. Patrick Willis and Frank Gore, like those were like literally the only guys that you wanted from the 49ers in those years. Hey, you know, we, we Dustin and I mentioned it in a separate episode, but shout out to Frank Gore again. My goodness. <laughs> you know, not fantasy relevant, but he still deserves a shout out because this man, I, he may play till he's 50. I don't know at this point. But shout out to him because he he's he's a grinder. Let's see if he can make it to forty. <laughs> he's getting close. He's, he's getting close. And I, I'm calling it now. I guarantee you, Adam Gase is going to be the man to when they get in that red zone. Guess who he's sending out to, to replace Le'Veon? Mark my words. It's going to happen. The Gase effect. That is Adam Gase for you people. Just gross. Again, I'll end it there. That's for another episode. Avoid that madness. But, you know, talking about favorite players, uh, I don't know who mentioned it, but uh, one of my favorite players is J.J. Watt. Well, well, it's the big show. Yes, it's a big, bad show tonight, Um, I'm a Texans fan. One of my all-time favorite players. He's a great person on the field, off the field. Um, his 2014 season was just chef's kisses. Um, 78 tackles, 59 solo. Um, so nothing crazy, but if you also happen to get points for uh, tackle for loss, I mean, almost every single one of those tackles is going to be a tackle for loss. He, he was a monster in the run game. Uh, on top of 20 and a half sacks. So you can bank on him getting a sack a game, basically. Also managed to get an interception. Uh, all those sacks, four forced fumbles, uh, five of them, uh, five fumble recoveries, two touchdowns, a safety, and my favorite stat from this season, 10 passes defended. He was so good at knocking down passes that the Patriots started practicing with brooms to make Tom Brady throw over the brooms because they were so worried about J.J. Uh, Watt knocking down passes. It was crazy. Uh, he did it in every stat column, uh, which is not something you typically see from a, you know, a down lineman, an edge rusher type of guy. One of my favorite seasons to think back on. He's my, one of my favorite players. Uh, I got one of his jerseys in literally every color. J.J. Uh, Watt, if you're listening, I'd love a signed one. Um, but yeah, man, 2014 JJ Watt just magnifique. He was a savage that year. Like I, I mean, he was just so much better than everybody else. I, I can't even remember, like you know, percentage wise or who the second best guy was. But I feel like he was like almost double. The yeah, he was. He was way far and ahead away. And I mean, he was doing this while getting double teamed constantly. Uh, towards the end of the season, into the next season, that's when he started seeing triple teams and and still you know it's jj watt man triple teams and he still finds a way to sack yep. andrew luck 
Yeah, I've seen it. It's, what a player, you know, that, that's just another one of those players that, man, you have someone like J.J. Watt on your team. I mean, not only the on-field performance, but, you know, just the intangibles, you know, from a leadership standpoint and just playing the game the right way. I mean, what a class act, tremendous player, uh, nothing but love for J.J. Watt. So shout out to him. Um, but that takes me, you know, it was tough for me to narrow it down to one more for me. I had a lot, you know, a lot of other players that I thought their performances were worthy of mentioning, but I ultimately landed on another linebacker, um, someone who I also really enjoyed watching. That's Brian Erlacher. Chicago Bears. Um, that's my brother's favorite team. So, Philip, shout out to you if you're watching. Uh, but in 07, Brian Erlacher, 122 tackles. That included 92 solos. He did have five sacks, five interceptions, two fumble recoveries, one touchdown, and 12 passes defended. Quite the season there, you know. Chicago Bears, think of that defense. I think of Ryan Erlacher, tremendous player. That's for sure. And we were talking about a little bit earlier, like him and Lance Briggs just holding down the middle oh, of the Bears yeah. team. Like for those years, like you couldn't go wrong with either one of those guys. I agree. I yeah. agree. And, you know, I think what was really special about Erlacher was his ability to play pass coverage. Uh, most middle linebackers, when you think of them, you think of a tackling machine, but you're not really expecting them to get um, interceptions uh, a whole lot. You're not really expecting them to defend passes. So anytime you can get one that fills up the stat column like that, just an added bonus. Yeah, and I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up because that is something that I, I feel was very underrated when it came to Erlacher's game. Um you know, it, just that name, Brian Erlacher, you're just thinking of that, you know, sideline to sideline tackle machine. But as you mentioned, when it came to those situations and obvious passing downs, he contributed significantly there as well. So, again, tremendous player, Brian Erlacher. Yeah, if you can cover a slot receiver being a middle linebacker, you're definitely one of the best. For sure. Oh, yeah. Well, cool. Well, it was fun breaking down, you know, a bunch of past players. And um, glad that we got you guys on here. And we're going to be doing it every week moving forward. Swapping stories is always good because I know there's a lot of people who are just a little bit intimidated by IDP. Just, you know, it's double the rosters. A you know, there's a lot of casual fans who already feel intimidated with anything that's not default. So glad sure. we got to hear a little bit of your guys' stories. Yeah, and uh, definitely appreciate you for having us on, um, you know, so special shout out to you, Alex, and, uh, you know, just excited to, you know, continue working with you and the rest of your squad, and uh, sky's the limit. Let's see what we can make of it. 
Let's get it. Hell yeah, go big or go home. Just remember, go big or go home. Yep. All day, every day. So we're going to make the hashtag fuck team defense. We're going to make that keep going viral because we got to okay. get everybody. Yeah, let's, that's a bit. Defense. Yeah. <laughs> and so about it. there we go. So we're out. Defense wins championships, and we're coming at you twice a week now.